Continuing in the back row with Bobby, this episode is Amy. Hi again, Amy. Hello. So we were talking about, I'm thinking of ending things, release in the UK onto Netflix on the 4th of September. And now we are going to have a very spoiler-heavy chat. All the goss. Yes. All the goss. <laughs> so I touched on in the last part, who is the main character because we Mm. follow the woman she's the central character and we have her voiceover the camera is always following her but okay in my opinion because I think I worked it out okay Mm -hmm. are you ready yeah ready right no I'm gonna tell you why (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna tell you why so right at the beginning where she's standing outside waiting for the car to pick her up and she's got the voiceover where she's talking about what they're going to do. But she's kind of talking like that already in the journey. Yeah, so it's like a the narrative isn't time-specific at that point. But then we switch to a shot and a voiceover of an old man living in a... Well, seeming like he's living in a flat nearby, looking out the window, and he's got his own voiceover. And then as the woman and the man, the couple, go on their drive to the man's parents' house, the old man we see again and again. And we see him in a house with the layout of the man's parents' house with the William Morris wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Later, the woman goes into the basement in the house. Now, basement is a whole thing, right? They make this whole big deal about the basement. What's yeah, down there? Why is he scared of the basement? Scratches on the wall. There's tape marks on the door. Like, there's a real yeah. sense of dread about the basement. And when she mm-hmm. goes down there, she pulls uniforms out of the washing machine, uniforms mm-hmm. that later we see the old man wearing. Mm. So, I think that the central, the main character, actually, the person whose narrative it is, is the old man. And I think he is the aged version of the young man. And everything else that we're seeing is a collection of his memories. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I think that because the woman that we see changes identity. Most of the time, mm. she's the same actress. There is a point where it's a different actress playing her for yeah. a short amount of time. Um, but she changes her name. She changes her job. She changes, yeah. um, like, she gets calls that seem to be from her own house, and that name on the phone changes. Mm. Um, she changes her whole character at some point, like her whole disposition and her ideals. And she's there's this weird thing as well where she's like always taking glasses and just wearing other people's glasses to look at her phone. (laughs) Um, So I think she is like a conglomeration of all of the girlfriends that this man had throughout his life. 
and he's just mm-hmm. built them into one memory like oh you know oh I had this discussion which girlfriend was it with oh I don't know it must have been with this girlfriend oh when did mm-hmm. I go and see and meet my parents oh maybe I went with this girlfriend but then later I went with this girlfriend and my parents you know were older which happens in the film they're older they're younger they're in poor health they've got dementia mm-hmm. like it's changing all the time yeah. is the dog there is the dog in an urn is the dog present are we talking yeah. past or present tense about the dog like the time shifts throughout the whole film so my theory is it is we are looking at the memories of this old man oh yes I think I think yeah I think you're right that it's that it is definitely told through his his memories and that him the old man is Jake the the, the young man as his older self um so Jake the partner is the janitor at the school the old man and he's yeah looking back on on memories the and yeah and that's why time jumps around the way it does and how there's kind of inconsistencies like the dog like you said and how I loved it that every time she sees the dog it's like shaking yeah and you know it's standing still <laughs> and I imagine that that's because he remembers the dog being like that and he can't picture it standing still he just has like a strong memory of it shaking itself so it's like he can't actually form that visual image of the dog just existing which I thought was quite funny I love that yeah. that's a great idea yeah I hadn't thought of that that that's how he remembers the dog yeah it's just she just gives it this look of like okay (laughs) (laughs) strange um yeah and I think you're spot on that it's the whole thing is his memory and that she's actually so I'm a little bit um not biased isn't the word but I'm a bit tainted by the article that I read here so I can't claim this to be my own like intelligence coming up with this but what I read was that she actually doesn't exist at all and never did and that the story when they're sitting down to dinner and he says about how they met at the trivia night Mm. this article said that actually that had been just a one-off encounter with this girl and that now he's kind of extra- extrapolating that very short um, encounter into like, oh, what if she had become my girlfriend and what would it have been like? And that's why her character keeps changing because he's trying to picture what sort of girl she might have been like. And ah. he's sort of trying out different versions like, oh, maybe she's a, what is it like? She's a biologist. She's a poet. She's a physicist she's like a movie um student like and he's just kind of it's all just sort of make-believe in his head combined with memories of his life at home and that's also why the time scale jumps around so much because he's like oh if she'd have been my girlfriend when this was happening with my parents this is how she would have reacted because it's always like she's she's appropriate for the time so like when his mum is getting tinnitus and sort of starting to be uh you know unwell with age she mentions like that she's some sort of expert in the aging process and he's like 
and she's like really kind to them and I think that maybe was his sort of thinking oh you know if I'd have had someone there at that time who was like that this is what she would have been like maybe maybe I'm not sure because just because of how much like her character changes Mm. because she sometimes she has like a stutter yeah in her speech and sometimes she doesn't and I think little things like that make me think that they are memories rather than imaginary but I don't know yeah no that does make sense in that yeah he'd need to have that kind of level of detail would have to come from somewhere not just his imagination probably Mm. Mm. interesting I think we both agree that it's that it's him is the storyteller though anyway Um, definitely yeah yeah it wasn't until the second time I watched and I realized that although you see him in that flat when you see the interior it's actually the interior of the house and that was when I was like oh I was so confused by that that he was like watching her out the window yeah from a high there, window in a flat next to hers. Yeah, that was super weird. There was a couple of bits as well where, because she, I think, looks up at him and then you're there as the camera and she's looking at you. And there were a couple of times when she looked at the camera and, it, and I'm not quite sure I know what that meant. I guess maybe that, that could tie into if she was in his imagination that she's aware of his presence I don't know I don't know yeah Yeah. but then maybe he's just filling in the blanks like how it's her voiceover that we're listening to saying I'm thinking of ending things and you know he says um so she's just thinking it to herself and they're in Mm -hmm. the car driving and he says did you say something yes yeah because first time around watching I was like oh my god like they gone to this place and while they're there he can hear her thoughts and like, that's I what I to, thought like, yeah yeah <laughs> it's like he's brought her to this place so that he can know exactly how he feels or how she feels about him um, and then kill her <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's what I was thinking too <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> so I guess maybe yeah. he's if it was with my theory that she's memories, then mm. maybe he's filling in the blanks of saying, oh, well, she broke up with me not long after that. So she must have been thinking, I'm thinking yeah. of ending things while we were going yeah. there. And maybe it's, yeah, all of these girlfriends have broken up with him. And so he's now in his memory, like every single one of them at all times was thinking this. Yes. Yeah. I like it that actually, neither one of us necessarily is right and it's like it could be any of these things and it could be something else yeah um, yeah makes totally. it quite nice nice to like explore it um but yeah with the the color scheme thing it's she's orange and red up until they arrive at the parents house and then it's pink she it, oh. her coat's like this really pink color and the jumper's pink and then once they sit down for dinner, it becomes beige. And then later, once they reach the school, it becomes blue. 
and it almost like becomes part of that bluey teal color that everything else is it's like she's sort of merged in that's so interesting maybe because when she's in the car she's Mm. thinking I'm thinking of ending things so for him this memory is like unsure it's like a warning right which your orange red would kind of uh, signify and then Mm. when they get to his home and she's in the pink then it's maybe more of like a warm memory because it's kind of familiar that they're home Mm. because pink's a bit more friendly do you know what I mean yeah yeah and sitting at the dinner table I guess because he gets quite angry when they're at the dinner table doesn't he yeah he does I was really on in that scene before I kind of had any theories I was just thinking like why on earth have you brought her here when you I'm assuming he would have her knowledge that he was going to be like that around his parents or that being Mm. around his parents made him feel like that and I was just like I even brought her when this is so torturous for you. <laughs> I was like really frustrated with him. Yeah, he was rubbish. <laughs> he wouldn't <laughs> want to go, go to meet his parents at all. He was I rubbish. Know. But maybe that's why that's why she was in beige as well, because he mm. felt like he wasn't being supported by her. Yeah, yeah. And it's that kind of um it's a bit more like nothingy. Maybe I love um, I love um, Tony Collette in well, I love her in everything, but in this, she's just great as well. Like she just goes through so many different characters, like almost like second to second. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, so his parents are Tony Collette is his mum, and David mm. Thewlis is his dad. Mm. David Thewlis, I only know from Harry Potter. Yes. And um, he's in Boy with the Striped Pajamas. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that actually. I okay. should watch that. Is it good? He plays it is good. It's um is it harrowing. Harrowing, that is the exact word. Yeah. Okay. It's like be prepared to literally ball your eyes out. Um, but he plays like a Nazi officer in that, so that, that's a bit different um for him. And he's yeah, very good in this it. as well. And I liked that he because Tony Collette is um, doing an American accent. I think she is Australian, isn't she? Yeah, I think she is. Um, From Muriel's wedding. Yeah, I, I know. I was thinking that. I was like, is she, or is that like, was that just her kind of like playing a big part? And now, yeah. and now we all think that is her. Now I'm confused. I think she is. Yeah. I think she is. So yeah, she's uh, anyway. The character is American, but then David Thewlis's character is Northern English. Yeah which I really liked, um, I guess, because it felt really familiar for me. Like, it's quite nice to have that sense of familiarity to draw you into, like, a family dinner scene. Mm, that's Yeah, that's nice. I think that is his natural accent as well, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. Um, but, yeah, it was quite, it's quite unusual to hear that accent in a, in a film with American people. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, I do agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, may, or maybe you'd have it from, uh, I was going to say maybe you'd have it from like a worker or something, but even then, not really. A worker would usually be a cockney. Yeah, that's it. It's like if there's an English person in an American film, they're usually just like southern, like standard or a cockney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that was nice, actually, yeah. 
And again, similar to Tony Collette's character, his personality and age changes throughout the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, they're just astonishing, really. And you're mm. captivated by the pair of them. Yes. And they seem, they just seem all over the place. And I think that's what made me really think that it's like a memory. And then it's from his point of view as the narrator, because I feel like your own view of your parents is so different. And like, they're quite embarrassing at dinner. Like, yeah, she's and so she's being... laughing all the time. This big, <laughs> yeah. loud laugh at things that aren't funny. <laughs> yeah, and she's talking about the um, genius edition of Triple Triple And there's that great bit where she's like, oh, I always thought it was genius. That shows I'm no genius. And, like, <laughs> she's, just, like, <laughs> she's just like so happy, like so pleased with herself. And she's just like goes for it and he's just like mom <laughs> and then the dad's like quite inappropriate as well when she, the woman the girlfriend is showing him her art because yes she's an artist at that point uh and he's like oh don't understand don't get it and <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and she's like oh you wouldn't see yourself if you were there and he's like well I would if I looked down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like uh, that'd be better with a person in it well, <laughs> yeah. um, oh and dear I think, yeah, I think that's his view of his parents are just like oh they're so like uneducated they don't like get this stuff um <laughs> Yeah, his character is brilliant and, and, yeah, inappropriate. I think, like, one of the first things he says, I've written it here, when they arrived, he's like, oh, let's have, like, let's go in for dinner or the food will be as cold as a witch's tit in a box of beer. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, he swears quite a lot to the girlfriend, yeah. you know, like, the first time yeah. he's met her. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. dear. And it's like... Maybe that, yeah, maybe, like you said, it's his memory of, like, oh, he took a girlfriend over and and he felt that he was embarrassed by his dad and maybe he's just, like, conglomerating all those memories of just, like, I think, I think so. That's that's my theory. I'm going to read the book, though, Mm. and see see what that says uh, and what Mm. I get from that because, I mean, I could be way off. Who knows? I did notice as well that the when he's when we're seeing the old man and mm. he's driving at the same time that they're driving, they're in the snow and he's not. He's driving on a sunny day. Yeah, that was um that was really interesting you pointed that out because I hadn't really noticed that, but yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's like when are these happening? In relation to each other, or exactly, or are they yeah. actually not at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which again so, is like you know that's such an easy way to make a memory of all well, years. You know, we drove to my parents' house and it was snowing, and you'd have a really strong memory of that, wouldn't you? We drove on a snowstorm, and she kept insisting she had to go home because she had loads of work to do, and I had yeah. to put chains on the tires. You know, those are really those are memories that would stay in your mind and it kind of makes sense that all of his other 
girlfriends and trips to his parents would sort of merge into this one really strong memory yeah definitely that it's it's like he's picked one memory for the weather and then other memories for or not picked other memories but they it brings in other memories of other experiences Mm. um so just to go back to the the theory that I read Hmm. um of it being that none of it was real it was all his imagination that would make sense if it's like oh if I was gonna take a girlfriend home to my parents like what would it be what would it be like there yeah 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 maybe he's imagining it as this one particular day and then the details he's building the details on top of that yeah true Um, and you would be like oh my mum would do this thing she always does yeah my dad would use those phrases that I hate you know yeah and she always calls it the genius edition (laughs) yes yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's so great um there was quite a lot of symbolism in it that I couldn't quite pin down okay when they get there he explains that it's a farm and they go into the barn and in the snow there are dead lambs in the snow now I think that that's probably just a symbolism of his youth being over I should think but then the story about the pigs that had maggots in their bellies that's horrendous and throughout it, we see pigs. Yes. Like there's a pig on the town poster as they're driving in that talks to the woman. Oh, I missed that bit. It's really brief. It says like one line. And I only knew it was the pig because I had subtitles on. Oh. So it's said like pig the, in the, the pig descriptions. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. And then later where the old man which we haven't got to yet, but where they see the old man in the school um, and he follows the pig in, that animated pig. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was weird as well. Suddenly so sure what am- the pig animated. would symbolise. Yeah, unless, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not very good at, at um, considering things to be symbolism. I was taking it quite literally of like he grew up on a farm and that had happened and it had really stuck in his mind as something quite like um traumatic to have heard about this happening to these pigs maybe Um, yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense but you're right there probably is some symbolism there that I've not thought of um I guess again it could be that by the end he's clearly not very well yeah yeah like it yeah could maybe it's literally be like a symbolism of you know poor poor health poor mental health you know something inside yeah. eating you oh definitely because there's a lot there's a lot of themes of like deterioration it's like he's watching his parents become old and ill yes and like these pigs the pigs were dying and the lambs had died and I think in the car they talk for a while about like um do animals have like a will to survive they talk about ants yes they do viruses yeah and they they drive past the farmhouse a dilapidated farmhouse with a new swing set outside don't they 
yeah that big conversation that threw me a bit because they do that but then the old man or Jake as an older person if we're right Mm. when he's preparing to leave in his van in that kind of the like spliced in sequence that we see Mm. like washing up and he's looking out the window and there's the swing set there yes yeah I noticed that as well yeah so it's like is that actually a swing set outside his parents house and that he when he's imagining this scenario it just popped into his head when he was still imagining the journey I don't know Maybe. maybe it's significant that there aren't any children to play on it yeah that's true and his because he seems to be alone in this later stage of life and maybe it's yeah kind of regret that he didn't have his own family is one that could have you know a whole bunch more explored about it and you could still watch it a bunch more times and not understand it's one of those films that's got so much to tell you it's got so much depth definitely yeah and and just um going back to the bond bit like on first watching when you're not really quite sure what's happening yet it was just so weird when they arrived and they waved at the mum in the window and then he's like oh we're ages uh, yeah yeah for ages it's like ah. and then he's like oh I'm not ready to go in yet and they go to the barn and she's like obviously really uncomfortable like oh you know but don't you think we should go in he's just like oh no it's fine like that made me really awkward in a just like socially awkward way of like oh no we have to like go in and say hello because we've arrived and it would be really like rude to not and like it just like seemed really strange me too. And then when they go in the house and his parents don't come down for ages. Yes. And then you're shouting at them upstairs and they don't come down. Yeah. And with that, the thriller, psychological thriller thing in mind, you're like, they're dead. Like, you know, jumping to all these conclusions of what she's a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because for a while, oh, this is another theory I had like fleetingly for a while I was like oh maybe this is them uh, what the parents are actually them when they're older and ah. like revisiting what they used to be like or but then I couldn't quite work out how he fitted in maybe I don't know that was a kind of vague thought I had but I don't think it works out I can see I can see where you're coming from though yeah touching back on the title that you said at the beginning you know is it about suicide is it not there's definitely you know the old man at the end he does get into the car and I have a suspicion that he is committing suicide by like freezing to death right and that and that he if it works in the theory that the whole thing was in his imagination that all the way through he's trying to trying to picture this like lovely scenario of this girl taking her home to his parents and what that would be like but the whole way through he's still got these suicidal thoughts popping in saying I'm thinking of ending things and that's why he keeps butting in on home being like oh let's turn the radio on or let's do this because he's trying to distract those thoughts that she as his like mind's eye is having I love that yeah that makes so much sense just kind of sad and well it's very sad to think about it in that way that the whole way through he's 
and that makes sense with the voicemails as well because it's saying like oh I've just got a decision to make and it's really it's quite horrible actually to think of it in that way but it's not necessarily that that is what it means but it makes sense with the uh, dance at the end as well oh yeah what did you think of the dance I'll reserve my judgments for a second those sequences with the dance and then the the scene where he sings the song he accepts an award and then sings a song Mm. I don't know I wonder if the dancing is just a representation of how he feels the memories are dancing through his head effectively right these Mm. are the people that used to be and they had these moments together but that's not who he is anymore which is like the dramatic ending of the dance you know that's Mm -hmm. finished that's done yeah because the that sort of character comes in and fills him on the floor yeah yeah with the what do they use instead of blood? It's like rose petals or something, isn't it? Yeah, or well, like little, he throws them. Yeah, that was quite, it's quite like theatrical, the whole thing. Like you could imagine it being done as a play. Totally. I thought that as well. Yeah, yeah. Be and because it's got so few locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start outside her flat for a very brief moment. You're in the car. You're at the parents' house. There's a little bit in the barn. Uh-huh. and then back in the car oh you got that ice cream the ice cream oh, vendors yeah. that was a weird and sh- the girl's like you don't need to move forward yeah that was really bizarre and that fed into the the whole like psychological thriller thing again of like oh this is this town where things exist differently and she knows about it and then he's going to take her away and something horrible is going to happen like you kept thinking that all the way through so she had a rash on her arms and -hmm. then she had it looked like she had self-harming marks on her arms as well Mm. Um, which again I guess could be feeding into him not being mentally well and that he's thinking of ending things like you said yeah I think that that would definitely make sense that he's got these sort of um yeah dark thoughts coming into even his he's having this sort of nice imagining of getting some ice cream but it's like he's still got these thoughts going on and the girls there being all like weird and giggly and he's like hiding in the background yeah yeah that was weird wasn't it that he said Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't serve him yeah that sounds like such a a teenage memory doesn't it yes yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that he just sulked away, and then these teenage girls were looking at him through the window and giggling. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, what do you want?" And he's like, "Oh, I'll have the same." Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, like regression there, similar to at the at the dining table when he like became a child again and just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting. And um, also the basement. I feel like, do you want to talk about the, the basement? I don't really know more about the basement. That's it, is I feel like, obviously, he's he's scared of the basement. 
but then mm. what what is the basement why is it oh I maybe that's where he's trying to keep his dark thoughts oh yeah yeah and that's why there's all tape marks on it is he's been trying to keep like keep them hidden keep them locked away for so long and now they're out yeah but he's like I don't want to go in the basement other than just that it was this sort of scary space I couldn't really make very much sense of it but that does make sense if it's yeah I I just thought of it now I don't know maybe no that makes sense for sure yeah great film though so confusing so much to read into and I definitely want to read the book as well and um watch it again I will let you know for sure how the book is Yay. And other people who are listening to this, let us know if you think we're like way off base or if you've got other interpretations on on what it's about. We're going to talk now really briefly about the Bechdel-Wallace test. So the movie has to have at least two women in it. Yes, it does. So we've got the main woman and Mm -hmm. the mother. And then we've got the ice cream vendor. Oh yeah, I don't know if she's named, but she certainly has dialogue and a few lines. So who talk to each other? Yes, both the ice cream vendor and the woman talk to each other, and the mother and the woman talk to each other. Uh Talk about something other than a man. Do the do the mother and the woman talk about anything other than him? Uh, No, I don't think they do. And I was thinking that it would fail the test because of that. But then I'd forgotten about the ice cream vendor because she and the main woman do talk. And I don't think they're talking about him. But it's It's just about her well-being, isn't it, that Mm. they talk about? Yeah. I suppose (laughs) if we're right that it it is about the old man anyway, then it would make sense that it is all about him. Like, especially if they're either in his memory or in his imagination, why would he remember them talking about anything other than him? Yes, that's very true. Yeah, you can't, you can't have, you can't pass the Bechdel-Wallace test inside of a male head because it's... Through his lens, yeah. Yeah, maybe we say no, it doesn't, but within the narrative that it is portraying that is there's no way it really could yeah yeah I think that's fair now we'll talk about future sight so how well do you think it will age I think well I can't see anything in it which I mean this is the thing though isn't it you can't see things in your own time that you think will become dated but I think because it's quite ambiguous with its setting it's not going to be it's not going to feel like something particularly of this moment I think um, I agree I agree they're not wearing particularly current clothing like you said the house is done with William Morris wallpaper it's not done to modern style ideals whatever they may be even the ice cream stand seems like something from the 1960s or 70s yeah definitely like it it was a memory of his childhood um anyway um I thought something which did seem quite of a now era was when they discussed the it's cold outside song and yeah. she says that it's a rapey song and I think not that it will age badly in that people in that that will become unrelevant but I think it's very much of 
this time now that we're looking back on previous things and saying actually that wasn't appropriate um, and like reassessing things I think that's something that we will remember this time now that this was like a time of reassessment not that that will make it age badly but I think that will be like oh yeah that film was made at that time when when there was that kind of revolution of hashtag me um, yeah exactly yeah. yeah I'd forgotten about that yeah yeah I think you're mm-hmm. right but yeah I think um I can't see that it won't be I can't see it aging badly something like eternal sunshine similarly hasn't in my opinion aged yeah I don't think that it has um I might be looking at it with rose tinted spectacles mm-hmm. though because I love it I love it too <laughs> so yeah I've got them on too but I think it's that the similarly that they both exist in someone's memories so it's not even about now it's it's that it's got like a self-aware thing on it that it's looking at previous times anyway yeah that's true finally I actually I forgot to ask you this so you won't Mm. be prepared for it but we didn't do a rating of the film before we discussed it oh after discussing it how would you rate it out of 10 so it's probably going to be a it's different just got to make this decision haven't I Um, I'm gonna say a six which sounds overly harsh but uh, maybe it's a seven I came away and I was like wow that was so interesting but I definitely I wouldn't say that I love it and I think maybe just because it's quite dark and it's quite slow and kind of like intellectually I enjoyed it but I think emotionally I, I didn't I didn't love it that makes yeah. any sense it does absolutely it's quite hard to watch mm-hmm. even though it's so interesting yeah and got so much going for it it's a quite taxing yeah definitely how about you what would you rate it I think similarly like for the film itself and for the content and for how interesting it is I'd give it an eight but mm. for watchability it's got to be lower it's got to be a seven because mm. yes I would watch it again but after that I'd probably not because Mm. it's like some Darren Aronofsky films Mm. where they're so fantastic and they've got so much story and they're so interesting but you don't want to watch them because they're so harrowing yeah definitely like Um, Requiem for a Dream I could not watch that again there's no way yeah yeah it's like an emotional that one it's almost like it's too emotional and you just can't put yourself through it again yeah whereas this one I think for me at least it was like an intellectual like it was difficult (laughs) yeah it was it's (laughs) like doing homework yeah it was it would be a great one to do for like a film study like essay or something because there's so much to say definitely you'd want a big word (laughs) count for that essay (laughs) but yeah (laughs) watchability definitely you're not gonna like put it on when friends are over and be like hey look at this quirky film yeah right I think like we said before it's worth seeing it's 100% worth seeing if you get the chance it's worth seeing at the cinema and it's worth seeing a second time and maybe a third maybe not more than that yeah I mean who knows because I've only watched it twice so I can't say how I feel after that but I think I think I'd probably agree with that 
But then as well, I suppose that we have both watched it twice in a short space of time, within like a week. That's true. We've watched it twice. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we're like, just sick of it. Maybe. Maybe we're doing it to ourselves. <laughs> maybe we'll watch it, yeah, in like a year's time and it will be a very different experience. Yeah. But yeah, I think probably what we've done is not a, a normal thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me, Amy. It's been great. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been really great to actually be able to just kind of dive in and like discuss ideas and and things. So yeah, thank you so much. No worries. Have a lovely day, and um, I will let you know when I've seen that. Uh, what was it called? Your uh, name. Your your name. Yeah. Your name. When I've watched yeah. that, I will let you know, awesome. and we'll we'll get back on and have a chat about that. Enjoy. All right, babes, it's time for Bobcorn now, which we haven't done for ages, so I've got a nice list ready for you. First up on the list is The Librarian, Quest for the Spear. This is actually a TV movie, but it's fully enjoyable, tacky, action-adventure, 7 out of 10. The Fly, 1945 version, a classic sci-fi horror with the dialogue and special effects to match. A little more confusing and a little less gory than Cronenberg's 1986 remake, 7 out of 10. Krampus. It's spooky and festive. It's a ho-ho horror. 7 out of 10. Days of the Bagnold Summer. This quiet little film directed by Simon Bird gives me everything I want and speaks to the single parent of today at the same time as the 15-year-old goth of yesterday. 10 out of 10. Ordinary love. If you want to have a weep, have a weep to this. Beautifully acted. 8 out of 10. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Bleak, with a quiet rage. 7 out of 10. Annabelle. Scary in places, but it lacks in substance. 5 out of 10. Geostorm. Slow with a confused narrative. The timeline is unclear, which is a big problem in a countdown to disaster movie like this. 5 out of 10. It comes at night. An interesting concept of a dystopian future from a slightly different perspective than the norm. Instead of following a family seeking shelter, it follows a family unwilling to give shelter. A film about paranoia and family dynamics. 6 out of 10. Crimes of the Future. This very early Cronenberg shows promise for the writer-director, but is best avoided. 4 out of 10. Stereo. This even earlier Cronenberg feels incredibly long at 60 minutes. 3 out of 10. Animal Crackers. Quite a fun animation, but not entirely engaging. 6 out of 10. The Personal History of David Copperfield. This whimsical adaptation has an interesting style, but for me it was style over substance. It looks like it was a lot of fun to make, but not quite as much fun to watch. 7 out of 10. Greed. Loosely based on the antics of Philip Green, this film is extreme, self-aware and great fun. The message it wants to deliver feels a little tacked on to a depiction of a decadent existence, but I appreciated the attempt at moral balance. 8 out of 10. The Kissing Booth 2. Slightly better than the first one, but not much. 4 out of 10. Brightburn. Gory, gory gumdrops. I'm looking forward to the sequel. 8.5 out of 10. Dead Zone. The worst Cronenberg major feature film I've watched so far. As usual, I want Stephen King to edit his work. Edit Stephen, come on! 6 out of 10. Bite. 
A Cronenberg-style body shock horror. The moments when it shows self-awareness are great, but aren't consistent, giving this film an unbalanced tone. 5 out of 10. Escape Plan. Tacky, enjoyable thrills from Sly and Arnie. 7 out of 10. Into the Night. A light-hearted love letter to Hollywood with plenty of cameos and good music. A little slow, meandering and self-congratulatory for me. 6 out of 10. Misbehaviour. This film tries to do too much and finishes feeling like it hasn't done enough. 4.5 out of 10. It's kind of a funny story. But it isn't a funny story or a particularly interesting one. Watch Girl Interrupted instead. 4 out of 10. Our sweetest film of the episode is The Days of the Bagnard Summer, which I adored. And in our salty, salty bucket, we've got those early Cronenberg films, Stereo and Crimes of the Future. Each of them are only 60-minute college films that he made. I wanted to watch them because I'm deep in a Cronenberg hole at the moment, but I'd say just give them a miss. Watch Shivers and Rabid instead. If you're looking for early Cronenberg, Shivers and Rabid are the films you want to look out for. Thanks for joining me for part two of episode four, I'll Have a Film Please, Bob. Thank you so much to Amy for being my contributor this week. Creative thanks, as always, go to John, Jackie and Els. And thank you so much for my logo, Sophie B Designs. I hope you'll join us next week on I'll Have a Film Please, Bob. Thank you.